0: Welcome back to the luxury of self-care. Whether you're on the go or lounging with a glass of wine, this is the perfect podcast to dive into from relatable topics to all people and things who inspire and empower me on a daily basis. I'm Anastasia, your host, and today's episode is entitled Stay On Target. So stay on target for me is one of those phrases that comes up constantly, whether it's in a therapy session, in some sort of plan you're writing for yourself and getting yourself mentally prepared for to make it happen, but staying on target throughout a workout or a specific weight loss goal you're going for or the days of Lent and something you gave up if you're religious, Staying on target is this constant theme that runs through accomplishing a goal or staying on track. And for me personally, staying on target is always having the through line. And most recently, I, I'm i going to say this most recently, I... Did a Paradox Process evening with Teresa Walker, which her episode is entitled Levitate Above the Bullshit. If you haven't listened to it, you should absolutely listen to it. But I was doing this thing with her and she was basically having us do a 3-6-12-2-5. And it was, what do you want for your future in three months and how do you want to feel about it? And then it continues on for six months, for 12 months, for two years, for five years. And it's interesting how fast I was able to write down the things that I had because I have this target in my personal mindset of where I want to be, what I want to do. But the problem is, the thing that we forget is things like a pandemic can happen or a loss of your job or loss of your spouse or your partner or your mom or your child. And it forces us to become a chameleon with that path, with that target. It's a lot to take in, especially when it's something negative. But if it's something positive that adds to that target, a whole new light opens up. And I want us to fixate a little bit more on the positives that happen when we learn from our mistakes. I'm going to go into that a little bit more on Sunday's episode as well. I'm going to talk about admitting when you're wrong, because I know that that's something that I never really liked to do, and we all struggled with doing but it is super important for our personal growth in life. So I am so thrilled to have Cody on today. He is not only someone I met when I went to Pacific Conservatory of the Performing Arts out in California. He is also a musician. He comes from a line of musicians. His father's a musician. He's an insanely talented singer, a great actor, thanks to our program, especially as we discuss in this interview. And lastly, he just celebrated... His year of sobriety, which I'm so thrilled he was wanting to come onto the show and talk so vulnerably about all the processes of how he realized what, what the end looked like for him and why he needed to flip a switch and understanding that staying on that target, staying on that path, which is something we'll touch base on specifically with him, that that was the through line and that's the thing that keeps him going and keeps him on track and keeps him on target you're going to hear all about all the wonderful things he's accomplished as a professional actor here in a bit because we dive straight into career and what he's done and what he's accomplished which i'm you are all going to be so impressed with so without further ado let's dive right into this interview cody craven welcome to the podcast
1: Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think what what a thrill we've been chit-chatting just a little bit here, getting all of our technicalities set up and everything, but mm-hmm. we truly haven't seen each other for probably about Five years?
1: Three years. It seems like five, but it it would have been three years. It would have been three because I had just gotten off of uh, my last Disney contract. Oh, right. Yes. Those boats.
0: Those Disney boats. I think ship life for me was definitely a very big change because I was with my boyfriend at the time and ships were. They're 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 different beast for sure.
1: I did a contract with my ex girlfriend and yeah, it was uh it was challenging. It's it's almost especially just in regards to a relationship, it's it's almost more challenging to spend that much time together as it is to do a long distance relationship. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, ship life was 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 surely an adventure. I I wouldn't have traded it for anything. I learned so many lessons the hard way, which is my favorite way to learn lessons. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I definitely came out of those three and a half years a much more well-rounded human being.
0: Oh no, truly. And I think that was like one of the things that I always wanted to do in my performance career, they, I had the laundry list and the cruise ships were definitely on there. And I remember my boyfriend who had done ships before was so adamant about me not doing the ship because he knew how challenging it was for relationships. (laughs) But we both realize now, like talking back on it now, it's, we had developed our relationship two years prior to being on the boat together. And then just like, we're dealing with the ins and outs of the The troubling, how troubling and how hard it is to do it on a ship. Yeah, definitely one for the books. I'm so glad I did it. I wouldn't trade it for anything, even as a performer, just dealing with things in a different way than we're not used to dealing with them more in a review setting as opposed to in a show where we're kind of encapsulated in a theme and a little nugget on stage. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to well, standing and just singing yeah. like, I yeah. Mean-
1: well, and, and of course there are so many other elements to being an entertainer on a cruise ship. And even when I did a contract with Norwegian and I had far fewer responsibilities than I did with Disney, um, it was still a lot of work. I mean, it did feel like paid vacation quite a bit, especially oh. being in the Mediterranean. Um, but, you know, there are also safety duties and, and cruise staff duties and so many other aspects that you don't really think about going, oh, I'm an entertainer. I'm going to go sing and, right. you know, it, be a guest. It's nothing like that. Oh, yeah. It certainly makes you appreciate theater in uh, on the on solid land. And especially I joined the union uh, pretty yes. quickly after getting off of my last contract. And just it, I never found anything to complain about when doing any of the contracts after cruise ship life. I mean, obviously, there are going to be some some uh, bumpy spots, some speed bumps, but they're certainly easier to glide over once you have that perspective, having worked on a ship for three and a half years. Oh,
0: no, no, absolutely. And then rewinding even back before ships and everything, so Cody and I had originally met at the same conservatory. Yeah, PCPA. And- yeah. Yeah. Um, Out in California. Oh, boy. Santa Maria, California. Great try Smells like broccoli. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> smells like broccoli and artichokes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: I uh, did a ton of theater and then heard about PCPA last minute. I wasn't even really planning on applying to colleges because I was not the best high school student. Um, <laughs> but I heard last minute about PCPA and I thought, oh, my gosh, I'll apply. I got the audition. I drove down on a school day to audition it was a quick quick process as you probably remember yeah. um and then what an amazing 2 years as Truly. you also know yeah. yeah i mean really set me up for for the next 4 solid years of my career i mean because of the connections i made at pcpa and the auditions that they provided for us i then went on to do my first summer stock back up here in uh sonoma i did hairspray and company and dirty rotten scoundrels and then straight out of that, like the next day after closing, flew to Milwaukee, did a year-long internship at Milwaukee Rep, which was an acting internship, which was so great because PCPA was so uh, acting centric. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a lot; of, there were musical theater components, there was dance, there was singing, but but I learned so much about the art of acting, um, that, you know, things that you don't think about as a high school student, regardless of how, um, avid you are in, in the community theater or even semi-professional theater community there, you don't think about it. You just pretend to be other people. And then to, to find a a sense of academia within that was, was pretty fascinating. Um, but anyway, furthered that in Milwaukee, and then went straight from Milwaukee again. Connections from PCPA, and went out to Utah Shakespeare Festival and did Les Mis for seven months, where I then crashed an audition at Tuacon for Disney Cruise Line. wasn't even planning on going. It really is crazy, and I I, I have to admit <laughs> to anyone that I've t- said. Anything negatively about my experience with Disney Cruise Line 2, I'm sorry because I really, it did fall in my lap and I feel so lucky. But I also know that so many people audition for years, year trying after, to get after that year gig. after year,
0: and they never, Truly. they either never get it or they finally get it and then they're so excited to go.
1: Well, and if it's any perspective, I landed that first one off the cuff, but then it, I wanted to go back and it took me a y- two years to be cast again for my second Disney contract.
0: Did you do the same track or did you do a different ship completely? So
1: technically I did two and a half Disney contracts. My first Disney contract, which was that very first one after Utah, I did the whole rehearsal process in Toronto, but then had a kitchen mishap where I stuck a knife through my hand, pitting an avocado. Oh my gosh. And, um, uh, it's a long, long story <laughs> that we do not have time for. I promise. But, um, <laughs> long story short, I had to go home, get surgery. It was like a five month long recovery process. Were you so,
0: what was where, your mindset? Where were you mentally after that had happened? Like you were so excited um, to go on the devastated. ship and then, yeah.
1: Well, cause I was supposed to, we were supposed to fly to the ship in two days when the accident oh my happened. Gosh, I and know that. Like I was so ready. And then to find out immediately that, A, I have 45 minutes to pack up all of my belongings and get to the airport because Disney's not going to have someone in Canada on contract that they know is not going to be furthering their time with the company. And they were still planning on bringing me back just a couple weeks later because we didn't know how severe it was. But when the doctor had removed the knife, he severed my nerve in half. I had no feeling in my hand for months and then went through months of physical therapy. And as a guitar player, it's my left hand. Yeah, I was going to say, which hand was was it for music? I was terrified. Now, I still can't explain extend my fingers like I can in my right hand. And so I did have to relearn quite a few elements of guitar playing, uh, over the course of the last, you know, seven years, but I still don't have feeling from the, uh, first knuckle above on my index finger. So crazy. Yeah. Fun facts about Cody. Fun facts Um, about Cody. I love that. (laughs) And anyway, so my tracks, the ones that I consistently did were Flynn Rider and, uh, then the first two contracts I did, Cronk. That's what they actually hired me oh, for Oh, great. Cronk. They had me do uh, <laughs> a Patrick Warburton in the audition room. And I had, it hadn't really crossed my mind because they were also casting a Hercules show. So I thought they were looking at me for Hercules. Um, oh, cons- right. Conce- conceded Conceited, youthful. How many
0: times did you seen Go the Cody. Distance?
1: <laughs> right. Well, actually, that was the song I went in with for that of crash course, audition. Of course. So, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, it, was, it was so much fun. I also did Captain Hook. I did Scar, Jafar. Um, I did the pirate show that was all sorts of pyrotechnics and stuff up on the deck. I did the genie for a while, which was so fun. I did pain from Hercules, that little minion. Um, Oh no, the best. So many, so many, Oh, Prince Charming, Prince Philip, the ones everyone wants to know about, you know,
0: you did combine tracks of my two best. Ooh, I just opened my LaCroix. I do this every single episode. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Wait, hold on. While Um, I'm doing
1: it, I'll open mine because mine's not open yet.
0: Yes. Cheers. Cheers. They're like my little kryptonite during this time has been club soda. I don't know why. At
1: an alarming rate.
0: Oh my gosh, my boyfriend and I would fight over them at the store. We would get like two 24 packs, and then I would hear him in the middle of the night cracking one open in the bedroom when I was already asleep, and I was like, "I heard that." (laughs) He's like, "Go to sleep."
1: (laughs) I've uh, I've only been dating my current girlfriend for about a month and a half, and she already calls me out for leaving trails of cans everywhere I go. (laughs) It's pretty bad.
0: No, I love that. Yeah, but my I was saying my buddy, they both they both did a combination of your tracks cuz I know that you you audition for Flynn. That's not technically a setup in the tracks for Disney, right? You auditioned for that It was kind of one. a
1: bonus. It was actually just like an, right, add-on, like an add-on because of the way yeah. that everything fits with the shows.
0: Now, the thing about
1: Disney is they call you with an offer. And they s- they tell you what they'd like you to play. Now nothing is written in <laughs> stone until you actually get to Toronto, and the first week is spent doing assessments. So you do Great. you do PKs across the floor, which is my absolute nightmare um, favorite. Michael
0: Jenkinson would love you for that. Oh, well, Michael <laughs> Jenkinson. Michael <laughs> Jenkinson
1: is pain leaving the body. Is weakness leaving the body? Is that what we said? Michael Jenkinson is weakness leaving the body.
0: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, um, yeah, sickle
1: biscuits for days in that assessment yes. room. Um But. Luckily, I think all of my initial tracks were retained throughout the uh, assessment process. Good, um, good, good, good. But uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really fun. A lot of work. Um, I was always exhausted. I mean, I, my last contract, I was also very lucky to do the Star Wars show. On the ship, I
0: saw that picture on your Instagram. I was like, "Oh, we did that too!" Now
1: all of you guys can't see me, but I'm covered in Star Wars tattoos. It was the first thing I did when I got off the cruise ship and realized I was never going to work for the mouse again. Is I got tattoos because I had always wanted them, and uh, most of them are Star Wars related. And so obviously, to to be able to take part professionally in. A a, a legit licensed Star Wars show where I got to create my own name and and improvise as a Jedi Knight. Come on. I mean, the the dream job for me, right? (laughs) Things that I only daydreamed about doing.
0: I only just watched them sequentially during COVID.
1: Well, I'm glad we're speaking now after, so yes. I so I don't give you endless <laughs> crap for not having seen them.
0: No, 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 no. My boyfriend does the same thing. He's like, she thought that the Jedi Knights were a, a race of people. And I was like, well, aren't they born with it? Like, So we've been arguing about this the whole time during COVID. Well, so let's, let's I, now veer, I know. Let's
1: veer away from Star Wars because I will rabbit hole for an hour about it. <laughs>
0: But I love that you just did all that beautiful artwork, too. um, Oh, yeah, Of the stars, I noticed as well. So,
1: again, buzz, buzz, buzz forward. New York happened, moved to New York. Of course, followed a girl there initially, but ended up staying for eight years. Moved to Chicago for a year. Did a lot of actor-musician shows um, right after I got off the Disney boat. So, I had done the ingenue, like, hairspray, Les Mis thing for a while, Um, and then the Disney thing. But then I'm a musician first. My dad's a musician. I was raised around folk music, and and I loved the story of Once. I remember seeing it on Broadway and crying from the minute that Leave, the first song in the show started. I was, and I don't cry very often. People will tell you, maybe once a year. (laughs) But I was an absolute waterfall through intermission, through the end of the show, and I turned to my then-girlfriend and I said, if I ever have the opportunity to do this show, I will gladly do it for the rest of my life.
0: Well, oh, yeah, it's so. I was eye given eye. the
1: opportunity to do that show, <laughs> and then I did it five more times in under two and a half years.
0: So, where did you all do it? Let's hit them all because they're important.
1: I did it in. Oh God, the first was in Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, then I did it in Miami. Oh well, Coral Gables, but like, technic kind of Miami um, yes. at Actress Playhouse, and then I did it in uh, Vermont near Burlington at Saint Michael's Playhouse, and then I did it. Uh, at Pioneer in Salt Lake City, and Love then Pioneer. I did it at 42nd Street Moon in San Francisco.
0: Yes, you did really hit that up. When you find those parts are great.
1: I, I played Schwetz, who is the drummer and the uh, caffeine-addicted Czech life dropout, and then I played his brother, cousin, unidentified relative, um, Andre, who has an amazing story arc for such a small part, and then finally I got to, and I understudied Guy, the lead, throughout all of these, and then finally, my last production of it, right before the rights were rescinded, um, I got to finally play Guy,
0: which was great. Love that. My buddy, Tom McGovern, I had him on the show. He was the swing for the tour. Oh, did you say Tom? Tom McGovern, yeah. Oh, I know Tom McGovern. You do? That's awesome. Yeah, he was on the podcast. Well, it's a very
1: small world. (laughs) It's a very, very, very small community of us actor musos.
0: He was on the cruise ship with me.
1: I love that. Yeah. I love that. You mentioned the murals. Yeah. So I was doing Million Dollar Quartet in Florida at the top of the year. Um, We closed March 1st. So then I went back to New York March 1st. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, I remember sitting in the Tampa airport and seeing the news of the first case in New York. Yeah. The day we were flying back to New York, mm-hmm. um, and then it was pretty quick. We I had about a week of normalcy. I I even went to the Met. I saw my friend. I mean, it really did seem normal. I caught up with a couple friends at a bar. I went to auditions. I went to one of the last held auditions in uh, in New York. It was for Wedding Singer yes. um, at at Seven Angels, and I remember feeling really tentative about whether or not to go. And I I mean, this was before this is when we were being told not to wear masks because we were supposed to save them for medical professionals. Right. So, of course, knowing everything we know now, thinking about looking back and riding on the train unprotected with my guitar, walking through Midtown. I mean, and I only can say all of this with certainty because I did just get another covid test and thank goodness it came back negative. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. um But anyway, I stayed in New York with a friend for a few weeks, and then I just realized that this was not going to be changing anytime soon. And there was no point in staying, so I got one of the last flights out. Um, I was one of four people in the entire terminal at LaGuardia the morning that I flew out, uh, which talk about a post-apocalyptic scene. Oh, yeah,
0: for sure. The whole thing felt like that. I just keep kept feeling I was like, and this is the story of the end of the world. Like, right. You could hear that like deep voice, like being the narration in the background just started with a virus summer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um,
1: Truly this summer. What a summer. But anyway, so I came home and I had spent a lot of time here last year. Something we'll we'll talk about in a, in a minute is I, I decided to make some pretty big changes in my life last year. It had become kind of a make or break uh, decision. Continue down the path that I was on and, you know, play roulette about whether or not I'd see the light of day the next yeah. morning or or make some serious changes and uh, get back on track with this beautiful thing that is the blessing of life. Yes. So. Um, I decided to come home and get out of this this scene of New York because, as incredible and vibrant and and thrilling as New York is uh it can also be the loneliest place in the world um if you do not treat your time appropriately and and stay active even when you want to be lazy and do nothing but order seamless and and binge whatever you don 't really care about on Netflix and not get out and breathe real air and and meet people even you know even in a pandemic you you can I've met some incredible people in the last few months um but I I really had to get out and so I did I just bought a plane ticket came out so I returned back home uh but with a different mentality thinking this might be a long a long term stay because again who knows what's going to be going on And, and pretty quickly as as time progressed once i'd made the move back out to california i realized that that you know whether or not our industry reopens in any sense new york doesn't need to be the hub right now because of technology and video submissions i mean even living in new york I was video submitting for more things than I was auditioning in person.
0: Wow. Um, yeah, that's kind of a that's a pill to swallow for sure for any of the actors. Well, and out with
1: there. these smaller shows, these actor musician shows that have much smaller casts and are actually outside of instrument rentals and sound equipment, they're pretty low budget shows set wise. Mm-hmm. You don't really need to hire a choreographer. I'm sorry, all dancers. <laughs> yes, choreographers should I'm always kidding. be in the room, right? No, should always yeah, be in I the mean, room.
0: There are there are those more actor, musician, the triple threat in a different way: actor, musician, right. singer. Right. So they don't
1: they don't need to spend all the money to travel to New York to have dance calls or anything. They no. really can tell everything they need off of a high quality video.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and could so come in one I... day for callbacks or something like that if needed. Right.
1: Thing. And actually, one of the auditions that I was having callbacks for while I was in Florida. Uh, they were thinking of flying me for a day up to New York on on a day off, you know, (laughs) but then COVID.
0: Right. (laughs) Just a brief little interruption. If you are really liking the episode or episodes from the past, hop on over to Apple podcast and rate the show. It truly helps me out. And if you love something so much, do not hesitate to add a review. I love to hear what you're thinking of the show and truly appreciate it. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this channel. So then every time a new episode is launched, it immediately downloads into your Apple podcast. All right, let's pop back into the interview.
1: But anyway, so once I realized that I wasn't going to be going anywhere for a while, I I looked at California, at Northern California, at home, at being here. I live on a ranch, a chicken ranch, out in the middle of the country by Davis. It's in the Napa foothills. Love that. And... For the first time in my adult life, because I got out of Dodge right out of high school, I I had always looked at home as this temporary thing. I'm going to go home for three days for a holiday, or I'm going to go home and crash on the couch for a month and wait for my next contract. It was never, I'm going to go home and stay. Because I've been living on the road for seven years. I mean, uh, seven years out of a suitcase without the time to unpack in any given place is exhausting. It's exciting. And talking about rolling with the punches uh, with COVID. I mean, I've been rolling with the punches with the road for, for a very long time.
0: Which a lot of people aren't used to. So there's like this interesting balance that we were kind of chatting about prior as well between people that are so used to traditional lifestyles, that are used to the social norm, which is... What? A white picket fence, you know, college, marriage, children. But it is interesting because I'm back in my hometown now. I'm just getting settled in. And yeah. it's, it's really intriguing hearing you speak about it in that way because I was always too big for this town. Right. I needed to get out. I, I My personality, my energy, my fashion, Same. clothing, everything was clearly way too big for this area. But now that I'm older, I'm about two and a half years older than you, I think. Yeah. Uh, truly... My priorities have shifted. Yeah. I don't have the adventurous bug that I had so much because I pinched it for so long. And now the stability and the nesting has completely shifted. And I am enjoying my hometown for the first time, like I enjoyed a city when I was getting out of my hometown. Anastasia, before.
1: same, same damn page. Um, truly. Yeah. I mean, I I there was a there was an Undiagnosed resentment i didn't know why I resented being home so much. I just felt like it was a that, that I was a failure in my in my chosen craft for not you know, if I ever went home for longer or, or didn't tell people that I was based in New York or Chicago or you know, then I wasn't legit. But the amazing thing—you weren't was, a real actor, right? Yeah. But I came back. I mean, I've been—I've been very lucky. I have worked pretty consistently since I set out to do so. Um, I Love mean, it's—it's it's been very, very lucky for me. But again, going nonstop, I've had my adventure, as you said. I've—I've—I've—I've. I've, 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 uh, I've scratched that itch, and qu- and my quality of life deteriorated mm-hmm. the more and harder I went and l- leaned into that. Um, and so now, quality of life is so important, and and all of these other things, these priorities as far as career goes, or or you know level of success, th- they seem way less important if if you're not happy trying to achieve them, and you probably <laughs> won't achieve them if you're not happy, uh, or th- or thriving in some sense.
0: You're right. And no matter what that path is, I've, I've said this, no matter what your chosen career path is, I really don't think you're going to strive within it unless you're passionate about it. So we always said, I followed my passion or my passion is my, my, my art form. And that is what I do as a career. But On the flip side, what was my real reality in between every show? Catering, bartending, teaching dance classes, judging dance competitions. You know, I I was a trick of many trades and then transitioning out of theater into real life. I realized I had all these tools that not a lot of people had because I wasn't so set on one path. I've always just... Collected wherever I could, picked up a stick here and stick there, stick there, and made my own my own career. Well, the crazy thing is, so
1: I, I didn't have a single, as I call them, any job outside of performance. I call them muggle jobs. So muggle I didn't have a, I didn't have a single muggle job, not even a barista or a, you know a drive through operator at all until I finished my first Disney contract. Oh wow! So I had never worked at a like? Starbucks. Um, well. And and I was in New York with zero resume outside of performance (laughs) looking for a way to make a living. Now, here's the kicker is I had just gotten off a cruise ship and cruise ships pay very well. And so I had a wonderful little nest egg for the first time in my life. And I was very young. And I was in this exciting city, so I didn't feel like I needed to get a job right away. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, the summer's over, and I have had a summer of fun in New York with no job, and the money is gone, and I immediately start needing to look for a job like it's an emergency. Survival job. Um, a survival job. A survival job. Yes. And I, I, you know, as, as far as rolling with the punches, I have to admit, I, I uh, employed some pretty uh, uncouth Tactics to get employment. I mean, or to pretty much survive in New York as it was. I mean, I have really been pursuing honesty as as a cornerstone of my of my values, uh, especially in the last year, two years. But you know, I bsed my way through all of those interviews. I mean, I, I spent my first day bartending them thinking that I had you know a five-year career in bartending. I had never poured a drink before in my life, yes. and I made it work.
0: I did the I same made it work. thing. We're actors. They yeah. did the same thing. I'll never forget it. They exactly. were like, you'll just figure it out as you go. You've got the personality, and I thought, okay, yeah, great. So I went home. I remember like looking up, thank God we have YouTube. That resource has changed drastically yeah. since oh, 2006 absolutely. when it started, yep. but- I was, like, looking up all these different things. And I always liked making cocktails, but not in a professional manner. Mine was, like, pour as much as you want here and there.
1: (laughs) Heavy pours. Heavy pours. You were a very popular bartender.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, then, fast forward, like, I had bartended in different scenarios for, like, 10 years. But it all was based on, I don't want to say a lie, but I had more confidence in myself probably at the time without the actual backup of...
1: Well, I was about to say that, yeah, it, it's an amazing tool to have in your toolbox to be able to have the confidence and and uh, and spontaneity and improvisational skills to to get what you need or want in the moment. And, True. you know, it got to a point where I was willing to say or do almost anything to get where i needed to go to survive sure. because there were there were months at a time where i was technically homeless in new york you know staying yeah. on a couch living out of a suitcase that was tucked under a couch i mean and then you're in, invading someone else's space regardless of how good a friend they are i mean you, you i felt i felt horribly uncomfortable in all of those settings and that's not a fruitful way to live. No, and it's Um, not
0: mentally, it's not helping your mental sanity by any means, because you don't have a space where you can have, that's yours. So you're constantly searching for it in other ways, in other forms
1: so these tools that that got me so far also started to pull me back. The further and further I I dove into those decisions, because ultimately every single time I I told a lie or bent the truth, for whether it was a white lie or you know you start to lose perspective on on the caliber of untruth you're telling. And, and it really, I lost complete perspective of who I was, uh, both as an artist, as a person, as a, as a friend, as a partner, uh, as a brother, as a son. You know, it was amazing. I, I would go months without talking to my parents. And, and regardless of the broken household that I came from and all of the challenges that I experienced with my family, I, none of it catered to, to that level of separation. Um,
0: yeah and, and you're saying that you're going off that honor now, and that's something that you're really prideful about at this point, which clearly you have a massive reasoning behind it, not just sure. of doing the right thing
1: right no and and i i i just i felt i felt so lost to the point where I was really ready to give up, and so I had started to give up i mean I was um, treating my body physically just like crap. I mean, I was in a very unhappy relationship, a very toxic relationship. I had, I had pretty much abandoned my drive for theater and had uh, taken a nosedive into the music scene okay. um, in New York. I'd started dating a musician, and uh, obviously I'd met a lot of amazing musicians through my active musician shows who f- were finding ways to make their survival job uh a part of their music, a part of their art. Yeah. And I was very, very hungry to do this. But of course, it, it happened right at the same time as my personal life started to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Again, all of these things led to me waking up in the hospital um, uh, in Harlem after I had severe alcohol poisoning. Um, and uh, yeah, luckily I was found uh, by by my partner at the time and obviously any breakup sucks um, sure. but but when something like 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 this happens and again it had been a struggle i'd been aware that i had uh, a drinking problem for quite a while but there's a difference between being aware in in your In your inner monologue and inner dialogue with yourself versus admitting it to any other living soul or even admitting it to yourself when you're with other people i could sit at home alone as much as i wanted and tell myself i need to change i need to stop i need to stop but then for some reason and again welcome to addiction the minute that i was presented with a temptation or an opportunity i would immediately tell myself oh i i'll have control over it this time i mean you know i i read the alcoholics anonymous book which actually i i found my recovery not through the Alcoholics Anonymous uh, channel. I tried it, and it is just not for some people. I support sure. all people who find success through it. Uh, it just was not my path. Um, but anyway, I, I it really did come down to this ultimatum of, do I want to to make a change and 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 try to live uh, a, a happy life? I mean, you, you I could think of all sorts of flowery words to describe right. what I wanted, but all all I really wanted was a happy life. Yeah. Um. And so I left in search of it, and I found it through many more challenges. I mean, it took me. I mean, I had I had been aware of my problem for I would dare I say nine years, ten years. Wow, um, that's and
0: that's, yeah, that's a long time, especially something that you can keep sweeping under the rug over and over and over again and becomes a well, habit.
1: <laughs> and when you spend two and a half years uh, dating the wrong people and doing a show that you can do with your eyes closed that's set in a pub surrounded by musicians who of course love to enjoy themselves and and that lifestyle whether it's on the road or or in one place is is very difficult to navigate while seeking a life of sobriety sure um especially before having a reset now see that's what i needed is for some reason about two and a half months into my time at home I had officially ended things with my ex uh, that was very messy and unfortunately still is. Um, but something switched. I remember it was a, well, to be perfectly honest, why not? We're, we're being open books, right? Welcome to podcasting. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I had booked a show, a couple of shows actually, with a theater company here in town that was going to be uh, shows of my original music.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. I had
1: only done shows in New York. I had, And for some reason, I was actually more nervous to do a uh, performance for... Local folks around here who hadn't because seen it me was before. your own work. It was my it was my own work, and it was people that I grew up with that had all these. Uh, that in my mind, of course, these people probably haven't thought of me since I left. But in my <laughs> egotistical right. performer mind, I was convinced that they were going to be like, "Oh, this is code." You know, let's see what he's Isn't been it the up to. Truth.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and they're that's, not that's, judgmental that's... at all. They just want your success, and they're so en- enthusiastic about it being right. your work, and they just support you. But I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's I've like done. when
1: you're on a run and someone drives by and you slightly adjust your running form because you assume that they're going to be looking at you and judging and they're you
0: not. and, <laughs> and they're, they're, not. they're driving to
1: <laughs> you know the pharmacy or whatever anyway yeah. um so i i just i was stressed out and i had i had been sober for what a week at that point because you know by then it's like it really is one day at a time True. and and i had a relapse i i and you know i couldn't tell you what the reasons behind any of my relapses were again i just wasn't ready I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I wasn't ready. And there was so much hardship uh, associated with the breakup that I was going through, which again, was directly related to my drinking problem. It was just, it it felt truly hopeless. And again, these are all such cliche terms, but they really, there are no other words to describe it. I mean, the the Alcoholics Anonymous book has so many references. And again, that book was written in the 50s. There are a lot of dated uh, sections that we ignore, but it's amazing the parallels that you find with other people that suffer from abusing the same substance as you did. Sure. Um, I mean, they r- it really is close to textbook. Anyway, something switched in my mind uh, that weekend after I showed up to that gig drunk and and fully admitted to my boss that I had been drinking. And again, it's it's different when it's a music show. You haven't signed a contract. I mean, of course, drinking before any professional uh, opportunity is, is is looked down upon, frowned upon, but frowned yeah, upon. Yeah. But uh, and the equity one is not a thing, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but something switched in my mind, and I've I've spent I've spent countless hours uh, since. trying Trying to figure out what it was, and I, I genuinely couldn't tell you. But after that, the next day, I went in uh, to the behavioral health center, and I, ca- I was like, "Take me to residential treatment. I need it. I'm done. Like, take me away." Now, of course, there's a waiting list that I hadn't accounted for, and so yeah. I ended up doing an outpatient program that was everything I needed. It really was uh, close to an instant shift, um, and I graduated in in record time, and I, I just. It, Everything since then I've I've really been lucky and only had one craving since then and it was during Christmas because of being happy. I wanted to celebrate. You know, it's always yeah. out of happiness. And um but the point of all of this is that I found resounding success in my recovery and my sobriety while continuing to pursue the career that I had since abandoned because of all of the baggage and i was very lucky about less less than a month after graduating my recovery program i had booked uh my first million dollar quartet which i had a show i had been auditioning for and been cast in twice but turned down to go do more productions of once i took it immediately because i i thought you know is it going to be too soon am i ready to go but because of my confidence and the confidence of the people who had been helping me through my recovery uh, the confidence that we all had in the success that i'd found gave me permission to go
0: to go and where and were you at how many months was, in were you that at that point
1: at that point i celebrated my 6 month uh anniversary 6 month birthday or whatever you call it uh <laughs> The day before we opened, which was oh great, uh, which was what what, a thrill that it was like
0: right before. Like what a what an encouraging. No, it it was truly rewarding.
1: Yeah, and and you know it was so great because I was worried about living in cast housing with people that might be you know there might be liquor in the house. Now again, I had been surrounded by liquor. I had poured people drinks since I'd been sober. I mean, again, I really didn't feel a temptation because. I was lucky to have such a high quality of life just waiting for me mm-hmm. because of the family that I was able to come home to and this amazing space that I have now uh, started living in. Uh, you had mentioned the reason yeah. I wanted to say all of this was to get to these damn murals. I, I, there's a barn out here on this ranch that, that has been here as a kind of studio, but not really livable for years. And I decided I'm not going anywhere. I'm healthy, I'm happy and the government is giving me some money. So <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> I decided to to renovate the place and really make it a home for the f- and and we were you mentioned nesting, to nest for the first time after, you know, 10 plus years on the road, not staying in one place for more than 2 months or whatever length of a contract mm-hmm. it was. Um and to be 29 years old and and being able to make a space my own for the first time is pretty incredible yeah um, i mean but truly. i started the whole i started the process by picking up a paintbrush for the first time since i was uh in high school and i I've, i'm an avid cartoonist but paint is a completely different medium and i Again, huge Star Wars nerd decided to just paint the Tatooine sky on a huge part of yeah. my wall. And I think it turned out pretty it darn It looks so cool. good. You
0: were so <laughs> excited. I saw the post and I was like, oh, these are really good. And I had forgotten that you cartoon that makes sense. Because, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously, paint is a totally different tool and element to deal with with textures and drying but, and all that. But
1: And, of course, I only shared the finished product. Uh, the good thing about paint is you can always paint over it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but again, tri- trial and error, learning, learning lessons the hard way. I mean, it was the same thing with the renovations I did on this place. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a survivor, right? But I, am not a handy guy. I don't know how to, you know, do very many things other than change the oil in my car or, you know, <laughs> uh, put a stud in a wall. I mean, but I've been patching concrete and and you know tearing up flooring and stringing track lighting. I mean, it's really, oh, nice. it's, it's 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 very very cool. Um, but I want to tie this whole recovery storyline into COVID times because i've i was initially so bummed i mean just devastated because i had spent so much time and energy getting myself to a place where i would be able to find success in new york something i'd always wanted to do feel healthy in new york find happiness in new york paint over the baggage the years of baggage that i'd experienced in a crude and then, of course, the opportunity is pulled out from under my feet. I mean, that first week that I was back in New York, again, in one week of auditions, this is not me tooting my own horn. This is just a comparison to the success that I found with a clear head and a healthy body and and clear mm-hmm. intention behind my actions. Um, I bu- I booked three gigs in one week. You know, I mean, and that's incredible to me, mm-hmm. um, because I people will say, mm-hmm. oh, you know, no, you deserve it's because of. It's because of who you are and you're talented or whatever. And I personally kind of can't stand the word talent because I think hard work is way more important than, as people say, God-given talent. But, I mean, I can promise you that I wouldn't have even showed up to one of those auditions had I not found sobriety and honesty and accountability uh, that I found through... This amazing program, and all of that success was, was aided by my involvement in the fitness community, uh, both in New York and back here um, in California, and, and becoming a personal trainer. Yeah, um, your personal which... training
0: start. Did you do that through Nazam ACE, or who? Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: of course, just in time for for everything to shut down being very excited to come off a of million dollar quartet and dive back into training and dive back into coaching and then
0: bye yeah yeah um, but you had said you had posted that picture too that was probably what I want to say that at least I noticed was one of your first reveals in vulnerability yeah. on Instagram was a before and after picture of you taking care of yourself and you were very open about i completely left myself go like I'm posting this and it's not to toot my own horn again like you just said earlier but it's to show you that dedication and awareness and pushing yourself is going to truly end in a result that you're looking for but just taking that first step is truly the start of it all
1: I had an amazing uh, fitness toolbox too because of getting certified um, but uh, I didn't have a lot to do in the early stages of my recovery. I was pretty much on lockdown, and I had—I was grateful for <laughs> Twice it. Twice in mean, a truly, row. <laughs> I, right. No. I. But that was another part of the frustration that I initially felt, was I was like, I've spent the last five months pretty much cooped up in this same place that I'm in now, in California, this place that before I was so excited to get out of because I associated it with – my problems with Mm -hmm. with this recovery process but luckily this recovery process has become such a positive point of reflection for me that that coming back here was in no way as negative or or stressful as i thought it would be because i came home to uh with the skill set to accept the responsibilities of taking care of a ranch i mean Mm -hmm. uh Uh, not to speak too much about her without permission, but my mother is getting old. You know, she just turned 70, and she's been taking care of this two-acre ranch by herself for the last 30 years. I mean, she's been on this property alone since I was born, basically. and, And, you know... She's she's uh she's quite a remarkable human but she was she was diagnosed with some pretty severe health stuff at the end of last year right when I left for Florida so to be able to come home as 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 horrible as this pandemic is and has been and as as tumultuous as the events of this year have been it, it feels in, in the scope of my life that it, everything happens for a reason. Everything weirdly lined up, and I found a positive to make out of every negative that I was presented with, which I guarantee I would not have done a year ago.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think from what I'm even hearing on your end, going through the process of everything, it, it reminds me a lot about someone who has just lost a lot of weight. And I say this in, in a way of it seems like you just cr- changed your relationship with, sobriety not necessarily the love of of liquor or like the love of food for someone that has lost a bunch of weight but you change your relationship with with that given product or that given thing that leads to the problem and that's where the true work begins Right. Well,
1: and I mean, it did uh, hand, go hand in hand with weight loss for me. I mean, I had gotten to be the heaviest I'd ever been. I was 204 pounds when I flew back from New York. Um, and my back on the cruise ships when I was, I promise you, way too skinny, I was 138. I mean, good God, what wow. cruise ship food wow. will do to you. Wow. But so when I came back, um, obviously it took me a while to get going again, but when all I had to do was go to the gym and go home and probably keep working out, I mean, I really did find quick success with that too. And I lost 50 pounds in under four months. Wow. And that's why when I posted that, that picture, I, it really, it was, it was the, the speed at which I found that those results as much as the results themselves. Yeah. Um, but again, I had an amazing toolbox going into it. I've been f- f- health conscious and, and involved in the fitness community for the last six, seven years. You know, I was a Lululemon employee for four years on and off and and have worked. I didn't
0: know you worked for the Lulu. F- oh,
1: in Chicago and New York. I actually opened the ah. Fifth Ave store, which is the biggest store in the world. Oh,
0: amazing. Yeah. Love that. I was on the Upper West Side. Oh, I love that. At the Broadway store. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Only for like three months, but sure but I I mean, we love that seasonal work yeah <laughs> I'm wearing all of it right now. I'm actually wearing <laughs> it
1: too that's amazing.
0: <laughs> um,
1: I love it. Drink a little bit of that kool-aid just enough, right but just I mean I tease. was well well, yeah. well 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 versed in the kool-aid with Disney too but uh no i I, yes. I, I really do think that it was the most simple decision got it sounds so cheesy but i promise it's real to pursue happiness to actively pursue happiness mm-hmm. and look at simple decisions throughout my day and and ask myself it's kind of that marie kondo mentality but but in actions and in does habits it serve me? yeah it's like <laughs> does this serve me does will will i think that this has served me 10 minutes from now mm-hmm. you know yes. and and really it has it has changed everything and it has given me the capability to handle this year in in a in a manner that has truly allowed me to feel as though i'm thriving yeah. obviously with all of the challenges the grass is always greener but my grass is pretty darn green right now i'm so so. happy
0: for you and speaking of the green green grass you have your tattoo too that's stay on target kind of like tying all that in together
1: one of the many star wars tattoos is one that is of an x-wing and it has a banner above it that says stay on target and then it has my sobriety date in roman numerals underneath it i almost didn't put the sobriety date on there because i still at this i got this in I think just around a year ago. No, I'd been sober for like three months, so not quite a year. Okay, but so I, like I, nine months, I had, I had racked up enough time to where I really knew that this was the, ch- this was, this was it. And of course, whenever I have the opportunity to relate anything to Star Wars, I, I do, and I look at it all the time. It, 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 it maintains a, a kind of positivity and an association to something that I love with my sobriety. So whenever I'm you know, feeling down and out instead of looking at alcohol as a solution that I'm not allowed to have, it immediately, it, it, it has never been an option yes. for me. You know, I use my sobriety as something to cheer me up rather than get me down because it's preventing me from having something. Yes. it's a choice. Yes. It's not, it's not, it's not a mandate. It's a choice. It's always a choice. No one is telling me I have to do this. And honestly, that was a huge part of the success that I found is I was surrounded by people that were, had to be there that were either court mandated or, or, uh, required because of child protective services or, you oh, know, wow. Oh, wow. cause I was, I was part of a state run program. And again, wow, I'm, yeah. I'm not the, I'm not probably the, the, average or or stereotypical person that would walk through the doors of a state-funded rehab program mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I jumped in and I, I I grabbed it by the horns and uh, I always reminded myself that I could leave if I wanted to and I would sometimes ask myself right do I want to leave and the answer was never yes so here we are
0: Wow that's awesome and then did you did you find a lot of encouragement and help and understanding from hearing stories of others around you at the time during those moments, or did you not necessarily sit in circles like you would in an AA we, meeting? How was it We different? sat
1: in circles, but it was definitely much more of a class than a sharing. Great. Okay. We would, we would obviously share portions of our experience in relationship to whatever was in the curriculum for the day, but uh, it was very practical education on, on, how mm-hmm. to navigate life without alcohol and, and, and navigate situations without alcohol. Now, True. again, I am very lucky and I count my lucky stars every day that I am not the kind of person that finds temptation by seeing, for instance, a, 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 a bottle of uh, vanilla extract. Some people can't have vanilla extract in their home because it's alcoholic or
0: alcoholic Listery. Oh, wow. I didn't and even think about vanilla extract.
1: Absolutely. And that's a very, that's a very common fear of people going to a party or, you know, even a, even a dry party because people, and I, I was at this point before I had seek sobriety where you're going through cabinets looking for anything to just make you feel normal. Because when you're that dependent on a substance, it's not about getting high. It's not about the high. It's not about the effect. It's about getting back to that normal. And by the mm. end of my of my of of, of my dark times, I uh, I had gotten to the point where it was it was either feeling the, the symptoms of withdrawal, feeling normal or blacked out. I mean, th- it was really like three options. Wow, and yeah. th- and that's why when I when I talk about how close it was to to being lethal, I really mean it. I mean, you know, I'm not going to go into the I'm not going to go into what the uh, the my my, yeah. uh, my alcohol blood level was <laughs> in that hospital. Um, but you know, it was very, very severe and, um, and I'm very, and I'm very lucky to be alive and, uh, to not have had to have been resuscitated more than the IV. Sure. Did. Sure. Anyway, I don't want to get into no, medical no, no, stuff, no, but, but, but it's. Yeah.
0: But I, I, I would say my curiosity to ask you too, and, and to maybe like think back on the two different times when you were not in a state of sobriety as opposed to a state of sobriety. What was a morning like for you then as it is now? and Or like what's your morning mentality set? Just some like small little nugget of wisdom maybe or your nightly well, routine in a different um, way. That... For
1: starters, there was zero routine before. Um, and I thrive on routine. It was actually one of my favorite parts about living on a boat, uh, believe it or not. Um, I, I love it when I don't have a mm-hmm. choice uh, to follow a routine and when I don't have to set it for myself. Weirdly enough... It's great when someone just tells me where I have to be and, I, Interesting. and I'm there. But uh, you need a
0: publicist. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. uh, currently accepting applications. Uh, I, um,
1: so a morning, I mean, to be perfectly honest, it was my body would, would start to wake me up, not because I was done sleeping, but because it, it, it was running low you know? And it would, and so I would wake up at, you know, four or five in the morning and genuinely I was, I was living with my, my then partner at the time and I would grab whatever I had, wherever I'd hidden it and I'd go sit. And again, I was a very happy drunk, which is why I was able to hide it and keep it under control for so long is, is I, I, people couldn't, I was just fun, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm very lucky that I wasn't an angry or violent or sure. or even sad drunk, and that, that's why my relapses always came from a place of celebration, not from a place of depression. I would always be fine while I was sad, not drinking. But right. the minute that something good would happen in my life, and you would want to celebrate, and right, yes. so I I would go to the bathroom and I would lock the door and I would sit on the shut toilet and watch YouTube videos of, uh, like X Factor or or. <laughs> Um, America's got talent videos and I would drink my morning, whatever, and laugh at these videos until she woke up. And if I was unemployed at the time, honestly, hang out and tell myself that I was going to look for auditions and not. Interesting. Just keep drinking and probably sleep most of the day. And I mean, maybe go out and play a gig. If I had a gig, I would usually try to keep it at a, at a, at a low even keeled just enough <laughs> intoxication until sure. the gig you know I mean again it was it was a tactic there were t- there were there was a formula and I had gotten to a place where I was able to if I knew that I had something important coming up I would cut myself mm-hmm. off completely go through the withdrawal symptoms which are usually supposed to last a week but I had it down to a formula of recovery where I could get that done in two days and I would disappear off the face of the earth for two days and people just wouldn't hear from me and then I would reemerge looking fresh as a wow. clean whistle and show up and do my job, you know, obviously until I stopped being able to even do that. I mean, it really is a yeah. progressive thing. It, it, it doesn't stop till sure. you make it stop. And, um, and now, well, I, I will, I will speak from when I had the most routine that I had during COVID times, because it has slowly disintegrated because the, the there's no m- mandate for it, but I'll wake up and, um, I will go for a run. Usually, I don't know six to eight miles. Uh, being out in the country, it's it's great. Um, I hate treadmills with a passion. So yes. um, outside, it's outside, outside. Worst. Unless you're on the ship now, some... and you're
0: looking out into the ocean or pulling unless into port, unless you're on a ship and then right, you're pulling right, into port. Right. I loved the gym on the ship. I've always, but I right. I'm a cruiser with my family. Even so, I've always really enjoyed sure. waking up and working out at the gym and then going to get breakfast.
1: I had never been on a cruise ship before my first day of work, and I've never been on one as a guest. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, so very different. It's it's <laughs> it's a pretty normal routine, you know. I mean, I'm still I'm still looking for work. It's slim, and I would like to find something in 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 a chosen field of mine. I would love to not have to settle for a for a job, but sure. times are tough, and I'm really not that picky. Uh, but it's it's it is hard to find a job, and I'm being perfectly honest that pays you more than the government does. And as someone who's so used to, f- to part-time work, it's kind of all I know. And unless you're working 40-hour work weeks at anything close to minimum wage, mm-hmm. you're not gonna be making much more than the government's paying you now, even with just the state funds that are coming in without the federal help.
0: Sure, because if you're only doing like It's hard to, to find a reason a to it's, go back to yeah. work
1: unless you find one that, that, that really pays a significant amount more. Um, but uh, and again and it's interesting me I mean you look at the facts too what is problems it? over here
0: no 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 but like you look at the facts too and it's five million jobs out there right now and 57 million are unemployed like <laughs> right. I mean the right. stats are through the roof in one way or the other so we just kind of have to figure out what to do next and I was just talking about that the new normal and dealing with that as an artist for a lot of people because we've invested so much of our time in our life into not this fun thing that we're just good at. Like we have become professionals within that, right? That equity card. When you finally have your hands on it, you're like, I am a considered now a professional, but we've been professionals right. our whole life. We've been building for this. Like when did you first pick up your first guitar
1: or was that uh, your first pfft. instrument? Uh, my first instrument uh, it's, 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 I think it's a tie between fiddle and piano. Um, what I how do i not know lessons. about this fiddle <laughs> i took suzuki fiddle wow. for, oh so you
0: golly, knew suzuki before we even like dabbled in the practice at pcpa
1: yeah wow yeah yeah um and i uh I mean, my dad being a folk musician, you know, he, he put a mandolin in my hands uh, very early on. And I still play mandolin. I play it much better now than I did back then. But again, as a kid, I, I, I had very poor work ethic, both in school and just my attention span was was not solid. So I don't read music. I mean, well, not 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 at all. I can tell you where a middle C is. I can tell you what a full step is, what a half step is, you know, how many sharps are on something or how many flats are on something. I can play piano by ear pretty well but Um, if someone were to come in with their audition book and put
0: it in front of you be like play this and (laughs) then here's the key change you would be like great (laughs) right
1: or even doing a show like once i i point blank will tell a music director in an audition room just so you know i don't read music you can play something for me on the piano right now and i'll play it back for you on this bass or this guitar but or you play something for me in a rehearsal i'll record it i'll go home learn it my way and come back clean the next day and if that's wow. not a system that you're comfortable with, I'm probably not your guy because I would rather be honest with them up front. I love and that. This was, honesty, though. this was something that I employed even before I got so I mean, this was just a fundamental thing for me. I would rather be I would rather be waiting tables than be in a miserable experience associated with a show or a production mm-hmm. or a cast. It's not worth it for me to taint this industry in my mind more than it already has been.
0: <laughs> right, right. No, no, no. You're so right. But that's what I mean. And what I'm saying in that sense of so. To relay that all into one little nugget is just you don't need to go out and try to do something that you don't want to do. I was ready to leave theater, but now, given COVID, losing my job as a sales rep, I was a liquor sales rep. I know we're talking about this right now, but no, I I, I was doing. And I was, I just knew so much about it. I did promos, I was a bartender, I liked alcohol. I just like the, I like to pair wine with food. You know, I'm one of those kind of drinkers. I drink every day because I like to, it's an experience for me in a different different way. And I lost my job a week before COVID started. And I don't know if it was preempted because of COVID, the fear of COVID or whatnot, but there I did. I, I sat there during this whole time. And what resources have I used doing online singing stuff, working with dancers, doing virtual dance competitions, um, singing on my own, drawing in a coloring book. I was doing all these artistic things. So being right. an artist will always be a part of me. And my point is is even now, now I'm reevaluating, do I want to fully leave this art form or not? looking for stability jobs as opposed to performance jobs is my point.
1: Right, right. No, and again, that's why I was so excited to dive into the world of fitness um, because, I mean, working for Lululemon, they had offered me a pretty significant promotion the same week that Disney called with the offer for my third contract. Um, And it was a big decision uh, whether or not, you know, which to take, because I I was so happy with my life in Chicago and and honestly not performing or even really auditioning that much. I mean, I didn't have an agent at the time. I was not equity, but I was I felt fulfilled in my life. And and I, you know, I was in great shape and it felt normal for the first time. And it was my first real taste of 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 normalcy. And,
0: and you know, and nesting uh, well, in a different I way. I
1: nested, but again, it wasn't my space. I was sharing it with Sure, my sure, sure. But I'm saying,
0: and, like, with your job. Oh, with like my job. Your job, job Absolutely. was a nesting yeah. nesting. yeah. Like, you probably, that's probably was your space where you felt fully confident in yourself other than on stage with a guitar in your hand or on stage with a microphone, sure. like, sure. you know, doing your thing. Well, and I was a really a good salesman.
1: Wasn't. I mean, we talk about the the, the yeah. skills with BSing our way through anything. I mean, I really was a great salesman and I loved being good at it too. <laughs> and I didn't feel too guilty. About you know selling a guy a pair of yoga pants he didn't need. But he needed, I, um, I really did trust, love it. And he I, needed I, some of those ABC he needed, pants. Um, he needed those ABC oh yeah, pants. Those, <laughs> man, I miss those seawall pants so much. You probably don't even know what those no, are. Those are my favorite. I know pants. What they are. I sold record <laughs> amounts of seawall pants. Um, anyway, no, I love I love the concept of stability, and that ties in directly to uh, my decision to establish myself here in Northern California because when I came back last year, oh my gosh, I'm circling all the way back, I made it. We made it back to this point of the theater community that I had no idea existed in and surrounding my hometown. I came back and found out that not only is there Davis Shakespeare Company, which I did know about, uh, which is they have equity contracts. There's also Bike City Theater Company, which is brand new, run by. Do you
0: remember J.R. Yanker from PCPA? Yes, he run- Jr. Yeah, but he was an intern when yeah. he was senior year. Yeah, so, so
1: he lives in Davis. He's from Davis, and he runs Bike City Theater Company. He's the one who did the radio dramas that I that recorded. That you were talking about that and, you that were I doing re- during COVID. That I've been doing during COVID. And so coming home, and like there's there are there are a thousand theater companies, and Sacramento Theater Company, which you know we were just talking about Michael Jenkins, and a lot of people from PCPA have a direct relationship with Sacramento Theater Company, which mm-hmm. I've never done a show there, but. I was cast in Pump Boys and Dinettes, which is another actor-musician show. In fact, it was the first actor-musician show ever. Um, cool. It, I did that out in Savannah a while ago, and they did that last Christmas at Sacramento Theater Company, and I had been cast in the same role, but then decided in to pull out of that and do Million Dollar Quartet. Honestly, because it was a bucket list show, I'd already done Pump Boys, and, uh, and they paid me like twice as much money.
0: But... Right, that um, happens sometimes. You have to go with a paycheck. But like, coming back home, that.
1: weird story. I'm actually the girl I'm dating now was the director of that show. We had we had never met in person. She was Michael Jenkinson's assistant for almost three years. Hell,
0: I even met my boyfriend in a show, and I thought, well, what if I would have gotten those extra equity points that I've been I was sitting on one week for five years. Oh my god, one fucking week. Oh my god, it sucked. Wow. So and if I wouldn't have done. Rock of Ages, which was my favorite show to date, I would have never met Doug. Which was one of my book shows this summer. (laughs) Was it? Who were you playing? Stacy Jacks or were you playing Drew? Uh, I can't, Stacey. I can't
1: sing Drew eight days a week. No one can sing Drew eight days a week. I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> no, one can sing Christ-
0: Drew. <laughs> Christians is high. Yeah. Yeah. So given COVID and how we're all kind of dealing with this new yeah. normal of virtual fitness, virtual classes, virtual teaching, are you doing any teaching of your own at this time?
1: I am doing teaching. Um, I'm offering music lessons. I have a few students now. Again, I play by ear. I teach by ear. I teach a lot of improvisational uh, techniques because 80% of what I play is improvisational. But for uh, guitar, tenor, guitar, and mandolin are what I give lessons for. So if you've ever been wanting to uh, pick up a mandolin or you have one laying around and don't know how to play it, you can go to my Instagram and direct message me. Slide into those DMs and my handle is (laughs) Cravenation, C-R-A-V-E-N-A-T-I-O-N.
0: And I will put that in the show notes as well. Cody, this has been Boom. such a pleasure.
1: Yeah, it has been a pleasure. Like and what a, what
0: a whirlwind of, of interest, of facts that truly show the involvement, evolvement of your being in the past year and a half, not even given COVID.
1: I It's just, it, it really is to me, the, the, the overarching theme is the importance of the simple decisions in your day. You know, we, I, I, I'm, so notorious with myself uh, in my own mind for trying to overcomplicate every single decision that I have to make, trying okay. to give it so many different qualifiers that that are completely pointless. It's that concept of the the iceberg, and all you really you know, there are two different places you can look at it. From the iceberg being that you're ignoring all the rest of the things under the water, I look at the iceberg as. The, the The real problem is the part of the iceberg that we see, but I see everything underneath and all of these mm. other little branches and rabbit holes that can go off of this one very simple decision such as pursuing happiness yes. or or not drinking anymore. I mean, it really is such a simple decision. and yes, there are a lot of individual parts of that process and and uh, you know so much work that needs to be done to make those big, Changes happen, or not even changes, adjustments, evolutions. Right. Um, because it is all growth. It's not. A, it's. It's. It's not changing who I am. Because these experiences will always be part of who I am. And again, I have no regrets. I. I have only mistakes that I've made that I have then learned from.
0: And don't we learn from our hardships? I mean, truly, it's just. It's like the the feeling that we have when we're out of breath, sweating, and looking at this gorgeous view at the top of a mountain. I always love to use this wouldn't have been worth it if it wasn't hard to get up there. It really wouldn't. We wouldn't even do it. It wouldn't feel like an accomplishment by any means. So for me, everything I do, whether it's a positive experience or negative experience, trials and tribulations, it's a constant theme in our lives, and we just evolve and become better people, bigger people, learn anything from our mistakes. It's just how life works
1: as i said in the beginning uh learning lessons the hard way is my favorite way to learn lessons yeah um and i've been getting outdoors as much as possible uh, and getting to know this state that i've been proud of coming from my whole life but never really spent time deeply exploring as an adult I didn't have the time yeah. as an adult because I didn't have the time or 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 the the ability or the focus or the interest even um and I, your mountain analogy I went uh, a couple weeks ago to visit the oldest living trees in the world the bristlecone pine forest here in California it's amazing to to find out that the oldest living trees in the world are in my home state, and and it's at 11,000 feet above sea level, and just being up there outdoors and looking at the past year and having that reflection in such a majestic place, I never would have had the ability for countless reasons to be in that spot had I not made so many of the simple decisions that I'd made in the last year that got me to that place, that physical place and that mental place and that place in my life.
0: What a beautiful, like, cap up in that little nugget. (laughs) I'm so glad that you did that. I remember you told me you'd just gotten back from this, like, amazing trip, so. Yeah, and going on another
1: one uh, in three days, you know, because I've got the time and I've got the energy, so why not?
0: Oh, I'm so happy for you. Well, thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, and that this is a really cool thing that you're doing here. I'm so inspired to see uh, people that come from the same walks as myself, uh, finding success and pursuing those dreams and making the decisions for themselves, oh, for um, sure. and and fighting the good fight. It's really amazing to to see you again after a few years, and and even so, catch up better now than we ever could in a holding room at Pearl. Oh my gosh,
0: no, so. I know that whole that whole jurisdiction of being an actor and catching up with your friends, not even over coffee at an audition when you're like how long are you going to sit in here today? Or when's your appointment? You know, it's, it's always forever on someone else's timeline when you're auditioning.
1: I'm closer with my friends now than I was six months ago. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think we and all I, are. Again, thank them. you so much. You look wonderful. You and, and this has been a treat. And uh, gosh, thanks again.
0: Yes. I'm so happy to have you. Bye-bye. wow 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 I think there's a lot that we can really take from that entire conversation and incorporate into our lives because all of us to some degree are dealing with some type of crisis whether it's watching the news and dealing with the political circus that is going on or whether it's living with your parents and being in a little bit of a chaotic moment of not being able to decipher your own space and your own mental health because you're being involved in a full-time job as a family member. So there's a lot of different things that we can take when things are heightened and the world is heightened and our feelings and emotions are heightened and, and understanding how to stay on that path and just follow the through line and going through something as extreme as cody's personal experience but also figuring out ways to take note of all the ways that he realized those tipping points and learning how to incorporate them in our our daily choices our daily life and our daily trials and tribulations So I'm really happy that you listened to this full episode. And I know it was a bit of a long one, but I really hope you got something good out of it. I'll be having another episode coming out on Sunday. So always be tuned in for that. I have all the information on my link tree on my Instagram at rumor underscore in underscore St. Petersburg that talks about any classes I'm teaching or anything that's going on. Feel free to follow me on there and check out everything. But that's it for me. Enjoy the rest of your week and I love you all. Thanks for tuning into today's episode on the luxury of self-care. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to this channel on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you're listening on. If you have a moment on Apple Podcasts, feel free to give me a rating or possibly even a review. I love to hear your thoughts. If you have any topic ideas, I'm always open. In addition, you can find me and all updates on the show on Instagram at rumor underscore in underscore St. Petersburg. Yep, just like the universal film Anastasia or like the Facebook page entitled The Luxury of Self-Care. Feel free to shoot me a DM or a iMessage at any time. I'm always open and available. Truly, this whole show wouldn't be possible without you, my audience. So thank you so, so much for all of your love and all of your support. And as always, for tuning in.